Welcome back to GA Fan TV. My name is Aaron. I'm delighted to be joined here by Matthew Hurley from the GA Statsman podcast to run through all the weekend's National Hurling League action. Certainly plenty to discuss, uh, plenty to discuss, plenty to break down as well. You'd obviously Limerick recording their first win of the season. Cork sealing back-to-back wins. Um, plenty of, uh, of, of results to discuss up and down the country. Matthew, how's things with yourself? Yeah, all good, Aaron. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, it's a bit of a quiet weekend compared to everything else, really. There was only the rugby on Saturday, and then there was the hurling. No football, no ladies football or anything. I suppose the Ashford Cup drama took centre stage this weekend, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a boring weekend. And then on League Sunday last night, they only proceeded to show Division 1 games. Didn't show Division 2 games whatsoever. So um, the opportunity lost there. But um, yeah, we'll discuss it in detail more than RT, I'd imagine, for Division 2 games especially. So uh, yeah, looking forward to the chat. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, I was thinking like even before maybe we go into, go into the games and sort of break them down is obviously the, I, I suppose maybe the feeling around the National Hurling League at the minute. Um, and obviously me and you have spoken about this on, you know, when I've had you on in the past and when, when I've been on your show and even listening to other podcasts as well, like there seems to be a real sort of, like the appetite just isn't there whatsoever for the National Hurling League. And I think when you look at the structure, when you look at the fact that so many teams are avoiding relegation even before a ball is poked, really, like the appetite just doesn't seem to be there um, for, for the National Hurling League this year. Doesn't at all. And it, it's kind of yearly at this point. Like I think ever since they changed us from um, Division One A and One B being conjoined, I think it's just become a non-competition. Really, it's a glorified pre-season competition. Like you, you look at the league at the moment. Like Division One A, even before a ball is poked, you think Westmeath gone, and then you look at Division One B, Leisure Antrim, whoever loses that game is gone as well. And it's just boring at this stage, Aaron. And when you look at the semi-final uh, with the fact that I don't know. I don't know the clarifications for this year and all that now, but if there is semi-finals this year, it's a farce, to be honest, because that's just going to add to more games this season when there's going to be Ron Robbins and Leinster and Munster. And yeah, it's it's kind of hard to judge these teams as well. I know Cork have won two games in a row, but like there's the argument, do Limerick and Galway even care about the league as well as that? Like you look at Tipperary winning two games, it should be a morale-boosting um, few weeks for them. But then you ask a question, do Kilkenny care? So, you know, it's it's a lot of ins and outs. It's very, very boring. But Conor McKenna, who you had your, on your podcast, actually made a very good point about the Hurling League. The more I thought about it, Division 1 doesn't really matter. But when you look at Division 2 and Division 3, there's actually some very tight games there. and There's some actual promotion and relegation. But the fact it's not even shown on RT, like on League Sunday last night, which, which was a disgrace, to be honest, but especially with Kildare and Dawn being shown on the BBC iPlayer. Why not show them games? Them games have meaning. You know, Division 1 games at the moment, like Westmead and Wexford, for example, I knew the result before, um, you know, the whistle went. It was ridiculous, really. And you know who's going down, you know who's going to challenge and stuff like that. Player Teams can play second teams. Like, they're playing two completely different teams. We're not doing scores. Like, most teams actually have 16 different scores, which suggests to me they have two completely different teams in two weeks. They can afford to do that. Whereas in the football league, you have to play your first team every single week because there's a sort of meaning to it. And I don't think I think the meaning in hurling is gone, to be honest with you. And I think to resurrect this, Seamus Brady came up with this idea, have six teams in Division One and then six teams in Division Two, and vice versa, vice versa. That's the only way you'll have meaningful promotion or relegation. But the system that's there now with the Alliance Hurling League, it's hardly going to be exciting, Aaron, unfortunately. 
Yeah, and it's a strange one because obviously we are here to to review the games and and break down the games. But something I was nearly even thinking of there when you were sort of running through all those valid points was, is there nearly a case for them just to completely scrap the league completely, just just get rid of it because. Like you have the monster around Robin, you have the Leinster around Robin. You could argue the case that you don't even need the league, really. You don't need it, no. Like the current structure, you don't need it at all. Like I think if you have six teams in Division One, the top division, I think there's a bit of a meaning there. There was a meaning back in the day with hurling where you had Division One A, the main division, and then Division One B, the secondary division. And then you had meaningful promotion and relegation. Nowadays, they're conjoined. I don't know whose idea it was to conjoin the divisions, but it's just made the league a lot more boring. And when you look at it, like, I love the J and you love the J, but it's kind of hard to make content when the games mean nothing, you know? I know Cork, for example, did well against Galway, Dublin did well against Antrim, Tipperary have won two games, it's brilliant and all that. But you said to me off air when we're recording for uh, my podcast during the week, that'll be out later on in the week. You were saying, like, what does these mean wins actually mean for the likes of Cork, for the likes of Tipperary? They don't mean anything down the line. They don't mean you're qualifying for Munster. Like, Tipperary could win three games in a row. Cork could win three games in a row. And then both of them could be inevitably knocked out of Munster. You know, so where's the meaning of these games? I don't know where it is, to be honest with you. I was doing a live stream in Clare and Limerick, but... Yes, you were analysing how they were playing and stuff like that, Clare, Limerick. Um, it, it, it usually is a very good battle, the battle of the Shannon side. But I was looking through the game and I'm thinking, what's the meaning of it? You know, who, who's gaining something out of this game? Um, what are they going to learn and things like that? And yeah, from a car point of view as well, I know they have four points, but the next game is against Westmead. That's a guaranteed six. You know, and it's it's ridiculous. I know you want Cork to win every week as a Cork fan, but you know the results before the ball's thrown in. And that's just very sad, you know. And there, there probably is an argument to scrap the league. If they if they do what Seamus Brady and play on GA suggested, then play the league. But if you're playing the league this way, don't play it at all because it's a waste of time, really. I said this last week as well in your podcast. It's a waste of time for us. It's a waste of time for teams winning. It's a waste of time for teams losing. They don't learn anything. And yeah, it's at this stage we're thinking roll on the championship because the league is getting really boring at this stage. Yeah, like and yeah, I'd agree with with Shay there as well. I think he he makes some good points. Like I think putting six teams as Division One, um, and then, and then obviously one team goes down into Division Two. Like I think it would it would be great. It might maybe limit the opportunity for for teams like Westmead and Leash to to play Division One hurling. But I think at the same time you do look at it and think like. Are they really benefiting week in, week out, playing against Limerick, Clare, Galway, Cork, and getting absolutely hammered? I know you might have the odd anomaly where, for example, Wexford put up a bit of a fight against Westmead. You'd Antrim, who'd be Clare a couple of years ago. You do have shocks and surprises, but generally speaking in Hurland, they are very few and far between, and I just don't think it can do those counties any good when they're getting absolutely battered week in, week out, really. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we've been saying, we're like a broken record saying this um, year in, year out. Antrim, Westmead and Leash are just going to get hammered in Division 1 every year. Offaly was the same last year. Like, it's it's just getting beyond boring at this point. Like, I remember a game, I was um, scorekeeping and uh, doing a report and at Cork against Westmead and Parky Keith. Cork scored seven goals. And I'm sorry, I know Cork won the game and you should be delighted over it as a Cork fan, but you're thinking, this is boring. You know, you know the score before the ball's thrown in. 
you're trying to gain positives out of this, but I just I just can't really. Like you look at the football league, for example. The football league is a brilliant system at the moment. Eight teams per division, and they're all evenly matched games. Like we you mentioned the first week, I remember specifically. The only games where there was um, one-sided affairs, I think, in the last few weeks was Westmead against Longford. I think Leitrim against Waterford was another. I think, I think that was it, as far as my memory goes. The rest of the games were closely contested, and they were so interesting to watch. With Cork there, I suppose, as well. But even before a ball was thrown in that game, you didn't know the results. You didn't know who would win, Cork or Kildare. It could go either way. With this hurling league, like Westmead and Wexford yesterday, I knew the results. Even Leach putting up a showing against Watford, I knew the results, even when Roy Milani scored 2-2 or whatever it was from centre-back. I knew the results during the game. And that's why I didn't do stats in it, because it was a complete waste of time, to be honest with you. If they, if, if the GA don't change the hurling league, listen to the if they don't listen to the people over this, listen to the fans, then what's the point of it? Seriously. I, I don't know what is... Like I know Clare have been struggling um, in recent games, especially against Limerick, but there's no danger of them going down because they're going to play West. They played Westmead in the first game and won it comprehensively. So, like, yes, no, I, 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 I think it's a boring enough league. It's boring every year now, Aaron. If they don't change the system, what's the point, you know? And yeah, they ha- I think the football, thank God for the football because that's a very entertaining league with some meaning to it, but this hurling league, no meaning whatsoever. Yeah, like, and I, and I think when it gets around to the semi-final stage or the final stage, you definitely do see a, a bit of interest, um, and especially around the final last year with Waterford and Cork, like that that was a game I did enjoy. But I think until it gets to that stage, there are a lot of nothing games. And as you said, like Clare beating Westmead, they already have two points on the board. They they pretty much have survival already wrapped up. So like they're probably not going to get to a league semi-final so in some ways they can already just clock out for for, for the league until mm. the until the championship comes around like so um certainly certainly a lot for the GA to to work on there but we will crack through some of the uh results from the weekend and I suppose we'll start with the game on uh Saturday night it was Limerick 127 clear 218 obviously two big rivals these two down the years both Limerick and Clare we've seen them Go hammer and tongs in the uh, in the in the championship in the league, and um, it's Limerick who come out the victors once again. It is, yeah. I was say like the first half was pretty interesting. Like uh, Clare getting that goal in the first half through Ian Galvin, and you were thinking Clare could make a comeback here, but the reality was in the first half they scored one one from play, and to be honest, that wasn't really good enough to compete with this Limerick team. And you see with the Limerick team now. They're well and truly back on. Like you look at the first half performance against Cork and this performance against Clare, they're back bigger and stronger earlier on this year, and it's not a good sign for the rest of the country. Um, this Limerick team is outstanding, really. Donegal Dog with a goal as well, very good performance. Michal Hulhan with 12 points, four from play. Kyle Hayes coming back into the team. Peter Casey, Garrod Hagerty showing his skills again. Shane O'Brien having that battle with Rory Hayes all night, and to be honest, opened it so many times by Rory Hayes as well. Clear, they could take some positives from the last 10 minutes, really. But then again, look, I'd worry about Clear. I know they have good players coming up, like Mark Rogers, uh, Robert Mounsey for the Fitzgibbon Cup, for example. Very good players. David Reedy coming on with one too. But it seems to be a common t- trend now with Clare in these game- these types of games. With Limerick, they perform well in the last 10 minutes, really. Against Wexford last year, they perform well in the last 10 minutes. And in the Wexford game, in fairness, they got the win at the end of it. But Wexford obviously aren't as good as Limerick. 
So if they're facing sides like Limerick, Kilkenny or somebody like that, they could get torn apart if they don't wake up in the first 60 minutes. That That's the issue with this clear team. That's the only negative I'd find with them. But yeah, Limerick roll on with an, another win and it's not a good sign for the rest of the country at all because this Limerick team is ready for road. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Like, and, and and I suppose from a Limerick perspective, like we've seen with the likes of um, Shane O'Brien and, you know, a few of the other young lads that have come into the side, like it doesn't look like this production line is slowing down anytime soon for Limerick. Like you've seen last year, they'd Keen Lynch out for, out for the year. They still adapted it out and went on to win the All-Ireland. This year, at this moment in time, they have a lot of players missing, but the younger lads who are coming in, Adam English, O'Brien, um, you know, Barry Coughlin's one who, who stood up last year. Cahill O'Neill last year was another one who stood up. Like, these players are making an impact and the production line isn't slowing down for Limerick, which is why, as you said, for the rest of the country, like, this could be very worrying because Limerick, like, they're, they're just not going anywhere anytime soon. They're not, no. And even Colin Collin was another lad that didn't play on Saturday night. And you look at him, his talents, and then you bring on Kieran Barry, who did so well in the half-back line as well. Like this Limerick team is an embarrassment to riches, to be honest with you. Um, I, I don't see how anybody's going to stop them. A lot of people are thinking they're overrated, but I don't like we're going through this discussion again. Will they break Dublin's record and go for six or seven in a row? This Limerick team, I think, is on the road to do that. The production line isn't over, as you said, there being Hall Hooligan. Like he's been good at club level. The question was, can he translate into inter county level on Saturday night? He definitely could. Like he was absolutely incredible. And uh, Donico Darling, even though um some people on League Sunday call him Donald Daly um on Sunday night, but um yeah, he made a very, very good uh, cameo there with a goal. He's got a point again against Carr. Peter Casey coming back in the team as well. And I think said before to say it again, Peter Casey, underrated player, three points from play again. He's an incredible, incredible asset to have in that team. Adam English, and one knows with Adam English as well, he was doing a lot of defensive work as well around um, the back line for Limerick. And he's usually a forward, a usually nippy forward. So he adds that to his game as well. Keith Ninja is coming back to fitness as well. You have Tom Morrissey. Uh, Declan Hannah didn't play any part of that game against Clare. So that's a big worry. And he's one of the best centre-backs in the country. Um, you have Mike Casey there who didn't play any part. So oh, this Limerick team, Barry Nash is another one. This Limerick team is not going to stop it. Uh, and I think they are going for a four in a row this year, possibly even going for five, six in a row. This Limerick team isn't going anywhere and I don't think anybody wants to hear us, but I think there could be a serious domination from this um, team that John Coyle is built. Yeah, like, and, and Cole Hayes, a wing-back as well. Like, I, I think I've spoken to yourself and other people I've had on the show down the years. Like, like, do, do you think that is his best position? Because, like, he, he hit three points against Clare. Like, in, in my opinion, I think it is his best position because you've seen a couple of years ago against Tipperary, the impact he made from that position and in 2021, 2020 as well. Like, last year, I think he was still good and he still had an impact in the game. But I think those driving runs, like, I think that it's trademark Cole Hayes. So I think, like, him at wing back, in my opinion, it's his best position. But what do you think? He probably is his best position. Yeah, but when you think about the embarrassment of riches there, you have Keane Lynch at centre forward, even a Donegal Dalig or a Michal Hoolan to come in. Like, but you think about Michal Hoolan was playing at number 12, and that's Tom Morrissey's position. You have Garrett Hagerty there as well. This is going to be a hard, this is going to be the hardest job that John Coyne has to do, really, to pick the team. Because who is going to drop out of this? Yeah, and 
who we haven't mentioned, Aaron Galan has to come back as well. And he's one of the best hurlers in the country. You know, but Kyle Hayes, like, I would have been interested to see him centre-back, but then again, like Declan Hannon has made that position. He's own Dan Morrissey and Ferriston played well at centre-back. Generally didn't do too badly. Colin Collins, another player. You Dermot Burns hasn't played any part in the league either. Oh my the, like this Limer team, it's gonna it's gonna keep getting better and better as the years as uh, this year goes on, particularly. In regards to Kyle Hayes, yeah, like you can it's he's so versatile he can play anywhere. Like I think if if you put him midfield, he could even do a job there. He's an incre- yeah. he's an incredible athlete that never stops running. Like wing back is a good position for him, centre back. But then again, like you'd have to put Declan Hannon at centre back. You'd have to put Keane Lynch when he's fit at centre forward. You have to put Tom Morrison, Garrett Hagerty there. You'd wonder where you put Bihal Hoolan in the team. So maybe instead of I know this is harsh because he played well the other night, but Darrow Donovan possibly he could play Darrow Donovan's uh, role in midfield, and maybe have Dan Morrissey as a wing back. But then you have Colin Collin there as well. Oh my, like Dermot Burns. Oh, I, I can't even pick the team out, to be honest with you. I don't. I, 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 I definitely imagine how John Coyley is feeling at the moment because this is a very, very hard job. But maybe it's worth pointing out who Coyley is going to midfield. Maybe they could try that. Like he, he can play in many positions. Why not try him in midfield? He's a big lad, so why not try him there? Yeah, like it's certainly something I wouldn't be against personally. Like I think he he already has the attributes. He's he's getting high up the pitch. Um, you know, a, a lot of his role probably wouldn't even change that much. Um, he'd just be playing more sort of around the the center of the park. But I suppose a word on Claire, like disappointment from them. Didn't really get going until the final ten minutes. I felt David Reedy made a bit of an impact score and one two off the bench. But apart from that, a little bit disappointing. I seen Brian Lohan getting a bit. Uh, feisty with some reporters after the game um which which is kind of funny but look at again i suppose the old age expression it is only the league so we don't really know too much but obviously for claire a little bit flat and maybe that might be a bit worrying it is a bit worrying well i suppose a positive other than david reed to take aid mccarthy scoring 13 points and he's one of the, he's the top scorer in the division one of the national league at the moment very good performance uh, with 13 points. But other than McCarthy and Reedy, there was nothing really from this clear team. Um, that's the worry. Ian Galvin got a goal, but that was about it. Uh, Shane Amore had a decent enough game. But yeah, like, I've I seen that tweet from a, a clear reporter about Brian Lowen as well. Is he losing it? You know, that's the, that's the big thing. I know it's only the league and we shouldn't read too much into it. But like we've... Look, I was thinking this started year with Clare as well. We've had this situation with Clare teams in the past as well. They have one good year, one absolutely brilliant year, which was that, which was almost like last year running Limerick so close and then getting to an all the semi point. And then they followed up with a pretty mediocre year. Take case in point, really, 2018 and 2019. 2018, they got so close to Galway, they probably should have beat them in that all or semi final. And then in 2019, they get knocked out in the first round. In 2013, they win the All-Ireland. 2014, they get knocked out in the first round. Maybe it's a common team with Clare. I, I don't know. I was thinking this at the start of the year. Down looked at their team and thinking, maybe this Clare team has turned a corner. But look at that that performance the other night. And Brian Lohan going at reporters. I'm thinking, could that old trait be coming back to bite Clare? We'll have to see in the next few weeks. But it's definitely um, a top process going on. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely be worth keeping an eye on Claire in detail. I mean, as you said, 
plenty of plenty of talent and still have the likes of Tony Kelly, obviously, to, to come back into the clear side at some point in the year as well. Another one of the standout games from Division 1A was uh, Galway versus Cork. Um, bit of a cracking game, this in fairness. Galway 322, Cork 424. Um, seven goals. He had red cards, he had black cards, drama, left, right, and center. A whole host of late goals in the game. Um, as a Cork fan, back to back wins, it's, it's looking good. It is looking good, but we've gone over this so many times. It's only the league, you know, and Cork fans should really. Just calm down a small bit. I know it's two games, it's two wins against Galway and Limburg, probably, in my opinion, the two best teams in the country. But there is an argument, do Galway and Limburg, especially Limburg in the first week, do they really care about the league? You know, so, like, we shouldn't really get ahead of ourselves. There are some positives, like, in fairness, like Declan Dalton scoring six points for play and setting up the two goals as well. He's kind of a star in the making of this guy. Um, I said this... Um, I said it so many times after the Senior A Championship, he was one of the top scorers in the Cork Championship there at second tier level for Father O'Neill's. He guided them to the Premier Senior grade this season. And he's shown that he's brought that form into Intercounty and he's been absolutely outstanding. Like Conor Lehan scoring two, three from play. Uh, Sean Toomey getting two goals. He got four goals in one game uh, for Corsi Rovers in the Cork Championship as well. So you could see he's a goal getter in that team as well. So very good to hear Shane Barris replacing Patrick Horgan, no bother him scoring four points. Brian Hayes coming off the bench, Connor Callahan. Very impressed with Connor O'Callaghan in the cornerback, actually. Um, very good performance from him. Intercepted the ball a lot. Um, the worrying thing for Cork in the last few minutes, even with O'Shea Salmon getting um, his marching orders, Galway still found two goals to get back into the game. That would be a worry for Cork. We can't allow that to happen in the next few weeks. If Cork would have let that lead slip yesterday, it would have been a disaster, really. And a lot of questions would have been asked about this Cork team. And the resolve shown really as well. But look, it's a win. A win's a win. It's a league. It's a league game. But uh, yeah, for Galway, like, they were very good in the first half. I thought they were shooting the lights. So Evan Nyland was outstanding with three points for play. I thought Kevin Cooley played well. Martin McManus did very well in his first league appearance. Connor Whelan did a lot of work around the middle of the field. But really, it's a thing that let Galway down. The shot selection was actually brilliant. They got over 70% of their shots, Galway. The issue was the red card. Once they got the red card, then Things started to fall apart, got Cork got a few goals, got the run of them, and then the game looked to be over. But Galway showed great resolve and fairness to get back into the game. But if Cork were to lose that lead in the last few minutes, it would have been a lot of questions to answer Arnetta. Yeah, plenty of co- comments flying in there, so much appreciated. A- anyone who's tuning in there, if you could hit the like button and subscribe, it would be uh, much appreciated. But Hurdle1234 says Cork missing. Pat Horgan, Sean O'Donoghue, Dara Fitzgibbon, Jack O'Connor, or Jack O'Connor, Harnady, Tim O'Mahony, Robbie O'Flynn, Noel O'Leary, Mark Coleman, and very little of the new Bars players have played just yet. And um, makes a great point. I mean, there is a, a lot of players. I know Patrick Horgan played the last day against uh, against Limerick, but generally, like there is a lot of players missing. And it was even something I said in my own match reaction yesterday was that. Like there's huge depth in this Cork side, um, and that can't go unnoticed. Like in terms of depth and options available, like you have to have one of the best squads in the country. You think that, but Limerick, like I named the Limerick guys that were missing, Aaron Galan and Dermot Burns are still missing, and Limerick still hammered Clare the other night. So it's, I still think Limerick have much the better squad than us. They better strength and conditioning than us. Galway still have players to come back as well. Like Colin Mannion only came on. The last, the last day against Cork he didn't play the first game at all against Wexford 
He's still a player to come back in that team as well. He's still a player like TJ Reno and Cody to come back for Kilkenny. So, like, like look, I, I hold the brakes a small bit about this team. Like, a lot of people were saying Cork had dipped last year, and look what happened in the championship. We were a bit of a mess, to be honest with you. So, like, look, the main thing for Cork, and I've said this in the first week and all that, the main thing, get out of Munster, possibly get to a Munster final, win a trophy. That That's the big thing for this Cork team. I know I'm being harsh and all that, but, like, we've said this all along, and we've said it all along in this episode uh, specifically, it's only the league, and car fans shouldn't really, you know, jump to conclusions a small bit. I know they have very good performance all over the field, but then there's the argument as well. Galway might not have cared about yesterday, so and they had a man sent off as well. Let's re- rewind like before the sending off, it was a level game, and Galway were actually poking their noses in front most of the game at the first half. Let's not forget that. So, there's still some work to do for this car team. It looks a good win. It, the goals make it a very, very good win for Cork, but there's still a long way to go yet for All Ireland's to talk about All Ireland. There's still one of the greatest teams in history lurking around the bushes in Limerick. So we shouldn't really, you know, go overboard just yet. It's a good start. Two wins from two, move on. I think we'll beat Westmead the third game. So three wins from three. We move on, hopefully get out of Munster this year and then surely we'll progress into the All-Ireland series and then we'll uh, we'll see how we go from there. Is that the worry for Cork, do you think, in terms of closing out games? Like we've seen that down the years under Kieran Kingston in particular. You, you think back to um, the, the, the meeting between Cork and Kilkenny a couple of years ago, Galway-Cork last year in the quarterfinals. Like closing out games seems to be a big issue and, and game management seems to be a big issue for Cork. It does, yeah. And it was shown in spades now yesterday. In fairness to them, like it's like allowing a team with 14 men. I know it was Galba and all that, and Henry Shevin is an outstanding coach, and Brian Buchanan coming on, Coleman and Mannion coming on. There was going to be a bounce back effect for Galba. But some of the good, like the last two goals that Carr conceded through uh, Brian Buchanan and Martin McManus, they were avoidable, really. You know, so that's a bit of a worry, maybe sitting back a bit too much. There was a bit of a worry there, and Carr not closing out the game as they should have, that's a worry. And that needs to be fixed if we're going to challenge with the likes of Limerick. Like, if we're 10 points up against, I'd say, let's say, like, I don't think it's going to happen, but if we're 10 points up against Limerick with 20 minutes to go or something, there's still going to be a thought in the process of Cork fans that Limerick could pull it back here. Because, like, we don't close out games particularly well. And that's the big problem with this Cork team. Like, when you look at, the wins we got last year, Watford had a man sent off in Austin Gleeson. Tipperary were a bit of a miss, in all honesty. And Antrim, like Antrim still made a comeback at us as well. You know, so like, it's still a worry about this um, car team that we we allow teams way too easily to come back into games. We were still in the SNC against Galway, let's not forget, at the stage in the quarterfinal. We still allowed pretty easy points for Galway to go over the bar. You know, so like... I, I would have to worry about this um, car team. If we're going to develop even further, we need to close out games better. We didn't do so yesterday. We got away with it. We move on to the next game now. But we our last two games now in the, this league are against Wexford and Clare. I think like if we win one of those games and we perform well, look, there's positive signs. But uh, we need to look. At, we've won two games out of two, Aaron. We may as well go for the league now. You know, we may as well win a trophy. We said we were on the road for a league uh, last season and we got destroyed by Watford in the final. So, look, it's positive signs. 
but still, still a bit of vulnerabilities as shown by the game yesterday. Yeah, and last in Division 1A, you had Westmead 115, Wexford 223. As you, as we were saying there at the top of the show, like a result that I think we we all pretty much expected, really. Um, I suppose from a Wexford point of view, like seeing Ross Banville uh, scoring 1-3, Carl Dunbar. Like th- there is, you know, players coming through for Wexford and, and that will uh, give um, Dara Egan, Egan a bit of positives, you know, going later into the year. Would do, yeah, and Conor McDonald scoring freely as well. And uh, yeah, Wexford uh, did well in this game, but look, said it all along, like we knew the result before the ball was thrown in. Uh, I know Westmead put up a showing, Killy Doll got sent off later on, I was hearing as well. So, like, uh, yeah, Westmead, they're probably going to lose this game. And even when you look at the table now, I think they're on minus 36 points difference or something like that. So, and it is actually bang on. So, yeah, it looks uh, pretty ominous for uh, Westmead. But for Wexford, look, they'll go to the next game now. They'll uh, attempt to win there. But look, uh, Westmead, I think Wexford are pretty much safe now. So they might just take off the shackles, go for the Leinster Championship, bring through a few new players. And on Ross Bamble as well, I still think he's an unbelievable player. He's shown it for DCU in this Fitzgibbon Cup. He's a very, very good player. And Shane Beliris in the Wexford Championship a few seasons ago as well. He's a very, very uh, promising player. Wexford should, probably should play him more often. Lee Chin made his comeback as well yesterday. So they do have good players. The problem for Wexford is taking their shots, you know, properly. Like they didn't do so against Galway the last day. It wasn't much of a test yesterday. The next test, they need to, you know, practice more on their shooting, shoot properly, and then be on the road. But they do have some good players, Wexford. It's about like converting their shots. That's the main thing for Darry Egan. It's a yeah, moving on to Division 1B, starting things off with the Kilkenny, the meeting of Kilkenny and Tipperary. Kilkenny 121, Tipperary 224. First win at Nolan Park for the Premier County in 15 years. I suppose, first of all, quite the statistic, really, that Tipperary hadn't won at Nolan Park in 15 years. Um, it probably shows how strong Kilkenny have been at Nolan Park through the years. Um, and, and and what an achievement, obviously, for, for, for Liam Cattle, I suppose, going in as manager um, and, and getting the victory and getting the win. And I suppose from a Kilkenny point of view, disappointment from them, but for Tipperary, huge, huge start. And who would have thought it's the older card that are still pushing this tip side on? Yeah, you can nearly think so. I know Noel McGrath and Jason Vogue on the score sheet, but Jake Morris, who have been banging on about on this podcast and my own podcast for years now, has scored one, two for play. I still think he's an unbelievable player. Unbelievably skillful player, and he showed that yesterday. Like Tipperary looked from the highlights anyway. Tipperary looked pretty comfortable to win this game, um, which is unlike Kilkenny teams. Like Derry Ling is still trying to find his um, structure in his team. Like old Cody's missing, TJ Reid is missing, the Storm and the Ballyhea lads still missing from this team. So they will be back, I'm sure. Like, like it was very positive signs for Tipperary. Like Jason Ford, outstanding performance. Now yesterday, one six from play. Like that is monstrous, really a monstrous scoring return from him. But even the two goals that Tip scored, they were a bit too easy from a Kilkenny point of view. Like when you look at the Jason Four goal, too much space in the back line that would worry Derek Lean going forward. And then for the second goal for Jake Morris's goal, they were just playing around the back, and it was a messy situation at the end, which ends up in the back of the net. So that'll be a bit of a worry going forward for Kilkenny, but they will have to bally here, lads, so I'm sure they'll be fine. But for Tipperary, good start for them. Good start under Liam Cahill. And there's a thing now that Tipperary could get out of Munster this year. Like, Munster could be very tough now this year. But it looks of it so far, it looks as if Cork, Limerick and Tipperary are doing well. 
But then again, we've we seen this last year. Watford won the league and then didn't do much afterwards. So maybe Watford are doing the opposite this year. But yeah, good start for Tipperary. Good start for Liam Cahill. And uh, good results. And uh, good to break the hoodoo with Nolan Park. Is there any worry for Kilkenny and Derek Ling, do you think? Or is it a case of it is early on in the league and he is obviously, you know, new manager. I know he's been involved with Kilkenny for quite a long time. He served alongside Brian Cody, but is there any worry or concern there with a defeat like this and I suppose a bit of an abject performance? Um, yeah, maybe, maybe. Like, I, I know they had defensive issues yesterday. Like the two goals they conceded were very, very sloppy. But then again, they have the Bally Hale lads back in the next few weeks. They have Owen Cody, they have TJ Reid. Um, they should be fine, that's a they really should be fine. Like once they bring them um, season Bally Hale players back into the team, it's still a Martin Keown who scored one two, John Donnelly four points, Billy Drennan seems to be fitting into the team well as well. So that's a good sign for uh, Kilkenny. It was just defensive issues now yesterday. But look, we go back to the old argument, it is only the league and Kilkenny, they won't panic. They won't panic. Like they won the first day against Antrim. They'll uh, go ahead now. Like when you look at who's in the group, Water, Dublin, like I'd say they should be Dublin realistically. Um, Watford could be a draw there and they'll definitely beat Leash anyway so that'll put them on six or seven points so they should be grand in and they shouldn't really reach a league final after this result after um, yesterday but look again we said this before um, on the, today that you know that could be a good thing for Kilkenny a blessing in disguise they can focus on the Leinster Championship then focus on that go ahead and win that and then go to the other semi-finals but look Derek Link, we said this about Henry Sheffield last year with Gal or uh, Galway, yeah, that um, he was trying to implement his team. With Derek Link, it'll take a year, maybe two years, to implement his sort of team with Billy Drennan and all them new young lads coming through. And it will take time for Kilkenny. Um, like Brian Cody, he's been there for so long. You've seen him with uh, Toronto. It took a while to get them um, fixed and all that. You look at Manchester United with Alex Ferguson, still haven't fixed their problems after so long. So, it's not if Rome hasn't been, wasn't built in a day, it will get fixed soon enough for Kilkenny. But like this result, I know there was defensive issues, evidence, but I won't be worried at all, Aaron. Look, it's the league. They'll focus on the Leinster Championship, I'd imagine, and uh, try and uh, get some victories there. And just a quick word on Shamie Callanan back in the in the fold uh, with Tipperary. He didn't score yesterday, but he did set up uh, one of the goals, um, which was good to see. And as we were saying, like with Tipperary, I mean Fair enough, they did have Jason Ford and there, there is still plenty of young lads making an impact. But Liam Cahill playing Noel McGrath, playing Shamie Callan, Ronan Marin there as well. Um, like Jason Ford, like there is, you know, like he, he, he is looking towards his experience, lads. And it, it isn't a complete reshuffle maybe to, than what we expected. There's a lot of new lads coming in. I know, I know they have very uh, good old players coming in, and, and that's sort of what you need to calm younger the younger fellas down. But we, when you look at um, the younger fellas in the team, that I wouldn't have noticed in the Liam Sheedy regime, uh, for example, like Alan Tynan is a now mainstay in the team. John Campion, you look at Connor Bow in the full forward line. Like there's still some very good players. Jake Morris is a very good player as well. Paddy Creed, and if he plays this year, he's an electric order as well. Mark Kehoe coming off the bench as well. Tipperary have outstanding players. Garrett O'Connor played last week. I don't think he played any part yesterday, correct me if I'm wrong. But he's an outstanding player for UN in the Fitzgibbon Cup. So you look at them players coming through the ranks and you look at the old guard, Seamus Cannon, is like a support cast role though. And I think that kind of uh, suits the Tipperary team in full. Jason Ford looks as better as ever. 
this season now so far. You look at Noel McGrath, Barry Hogan did well now yesterday and goal made a very good save in Verston. So the old guard is still doing well for Tipperary. They're still, you know, getting results for them. But it's great to see from the Tipperary point of view. They do have the talent. There's no doubt about that. It's just playing the young talents when needs be. And I think Liam Khan is definitely doing that. It's a very good start for Tipperary. And um, long may continue because that will make up for a very, very tasty Munster Championship later on the year on. Yeah, Tipperary 12-1 to to win the All-Ireland. Worth a, worth a punt. <laughs> oh, gee. No, no. I'm saying that. No, it's in Limerick. Or well says, uh, what are the odds for them to reach the other point? Like that could be, that yeah, could be I'm not sure actually, yeah, but yeah, that, that, that maybe could be something. But I, I, I was just looking at the odds there earlier today, just kind of out of interest. Um, interesting enough, like Waterford are uh, even further, further odds, but I'll probably just go to show, like, I think. I think bet responsibly and, and that's keep your money in your pockets because I think Limerick Limerick are, are too far too far ahead at this moment in time. But um but but certainly with, with Tipperary you can just never quite uh, reel them out. We'll run through the other two games in Division One uh, very briefly because there probably isn't too much to discuss there. Uh, it was Dublin twenty eight points, Antrim two nineteen, and uh, it was Leash two nineteen, Waterford two thirty one. So wins for both Dublin and Waterford. Uh, Maybe a word on the dubs. Um, I watched a bit of the game. I kind of had it on in the background. It looked like Dublin were fairly comfortable and cruising right up until the final 10 minutes. Um, and it got a little bit hairy towards the end. Um, and to be honest, under Michal Dunahu, like it's it, it's early days yet, but I don't know. I'm not entirely impressed just yet, but it, it is still very early in fairness. And usually with Dublin teams with a new manager, they get a bounce early on in the league and then they think they're brilliant and then they don't do well in the championship. Like case in point with Joe Cunningham in 2015, like they did well in the league, then the championship, there were nothing really. I know they had that win over Limerick, but they didn't really show us in the quarterfinal against Watford afterwards. I think Michal Dunham, again, like everything, he's trying to build his team. And that's the main thing with uh, Dublin. Like there's still a few new lads. One new lad actually, and you never thought this, a Cork lad is, going, is playing in the Dublin team. Number eight, uh, Chris O'Leary. From uh, West Cork himself, from Inna Shannon, he's on the Dublin team. I, I never thought I'd say this to Cork I played for Dublin, but uh, there you go. He scored three points yesterday, so very good performance from him. Very very proud from my, I'm sure, in the Valley Rovers GA club down in Cork. But um, yeah, good performance from Dublin. Don Vork still hitting the lights out. Very good performance. Antrim made a comeback at the end, but look at the highlights in this game. Dublin really had this game under control. It was almost like Cork's performance against Galway. They let them slip back in towards the end, but they were really obviously in control that uh, Dublin win this game. For the Waterford game, to be honest, like, the main talking point was the guy behind the goal, and that probably just showed um, what a boring game this was, to be honest with you. Uh, we knew, again, like the Westmead game, we knew the result, but um, yeah, the guy behind the goal with uh, the technology, I suppose it's enhanced now with uh, David Pitts uh, putting him there and uh, yeah, it's a bit of a risky move. And also, Jacob was actually mentioning what did they do that in Crow Park? Will they put him in the stand? Will they put him in the hill? How will this go? Like, you know, it should be very interesting as the year goes on, Aaron. Yeah, like, like technically, there's no rule against it, really, because, like, if he says he's a supporter, then what, like, do you know what I mean? Like, then you can't, like, you, you have to leave him there. Do you know that way? Like, it's just, it's probably one of them things with the grounds that Waterford are playing at in the league. But as you said, in Crow Park, like, he'll be in the stands. He'll be a good bit away from the goal, be on the hill. Like, he won't be able to communicate then, so it won't work then. But, yeah, like, it's an interesting tactic from 
Davy Fitz. Like, I'm not really sure what he's what the long term aim of it is because he definitely won't get away with that in Crow Park. Oh no, he won't. Like, geez, I'm wondering now. Uh, I I seen them. Um, someone actually do this in the World Cup. They switch from stadium to stadium. I wonder, can you switch from stand to stand during a game? Could you just leave um, the 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 canal end? Just uh, go out at half time and then run run around as fast as you can to the hill and uh, then uh, do statistics there or something like that. But I don't think the groundsmen in Crow Park would allow it, to be honest with you. Um, they wouldn't even allow it in Parky Heaves, to be honest. Um, they would allow Bradley Walsh Park. So, yeah, it's going to be very difficult to see how they do that in future. Maybe Davy Fitz could do something, maybe a bit of infinite thinking here. Maybe have one lad for Crow Park in particular, one lad on the canal end and one lad in Hill 16. That could work, you know. But, um, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I think they'll have to ban it, I'd say. But there, there isn't a rule. But usually, Aaron, when somebody starts doing like Anthony Ash for Cork a few seasons ago, when he started picking up the ball and driving around 10, 20 yards or something, and then... It became a rule where you have to, you hate it at a required distance. This will become a rule sooner rather than later. It's a, you know, the more this goes on. So uh, we might laugh at it now, but over the next few months, it might become a bit more serious and there could be a few tasty encounters there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like you have to, you have to admire Davy Fitz at times. Like he's always, he's always thinking outside of the box and it might be controversial, but. Uh, he, he certainly is thinking um, outside of the outside of the box. Make no mistake about that. Uh, we'll run through some uh, Division Two results uh, from the weekend. So we had uh, Kerry eighteen points, uh, Carlo one thirteen, uh, Offaly thirty three points, Derry one fifteen, and probably the standout result of the uh, weekend in Division Two: Kildare one seventeen, down nineteen points. So back to back wins for Kildare and their. Look, they're, they're certainly putting their hands up to potentially play Division 1 Ireland next year. They are. Very good performances from Kildare at the moment. Like uh, Your man James Bork is doing excellent at the moment. 18 points so far in the league. Very good performance. And we knew he his quality from the NACE team. Very good. And Kildare... Like, it's an interesting one with Kildare. Like, they did so well with NACE in the club championship. And a lot of people are thinking it's a surprise. But when you study Kildare hurling, you're thinking, yes, yeah, I really... It's, a surprise when you think think about it uh, for this uh, Kildare team. Like they they're doing pretty well to beat down by a point, and uh, yeah, it was a brilliant, brilliant showing. Kerry apparently didn't perform uh, well against uh, Carlo, but they still got the win. Fair play to them. Awfully touch three points. Like awfully should be able to go back up to Division One. It should be interesting to see the exchange exchanges between Awfully Kerry and Kildare on four points each. So. Very good performance from them. And before we leave Division 2A, I think it was a disgrace at League Sunday last night. They didn't actually show any of the games. You know, Kildare and Down was shown on BBC Eye Player. There's no excuse for RT show the Kildare game. You know, we're looking at a team rising up through the ranks, getting four points over possible four and haven't played the Lee McCarthy for donkey's years. And you're not showing them. I mean, it's ridiculous, really. Like, Donald Cusack talks about uh, developing the game of hurling. How are you going to develop the game of hurling if these games aren't even shown? On a game on a weekend where there's no football action, there's only six hurling games. And to be honest, three hurling games in Division One we named didn't really matter when you look at the grand scheme of things. We knew what the result before the ball was thrown in. So why aren't you showing these games? It's ridiculous to be honest with you, Aaron. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, but I was angered by it uh, last night. It was a brilliant opportunity to show these games, especially Kildare's game. But RT again. 
ignore Division 2 hurling and below. Yeah, like, is it that they think the interest maybe isn't there? Because I know, like, with the Hurling League and with Division 1, as we've said, like, the, the interest clearly hasn't been there. Um, and even in my own videos in the Hurling League, they, they very rarely do well at all. And, and a lot of it, you know, does boil down to the fact that the league just isn't that exciting. So when you look at Division 2, like, it's, it's you're going even further down. And I know it means a lot maybe to Kildare supporters, but then again, Kildare are a predominant football county. I don't even know if, like, I, I don't know. I would I would like to know what the attendance was that day um, for for Kildare for the Kildare fans. Are, you know, are they buying in? Is there a buy-in? Like, is is the interest there? Like, that that's maybe what I'd say. It's an interesting point. But how do you build up interest at the same time? Showing these games. That's how you build up interest. The reason why, um, you know, we can't talk... Like, I try my best to talk about, like, I'm doing stats on the Division 2 and below scoring to give the players, um, you know, recognition they deserve. I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to do my bit. But you can't really comment on these games if they're not really being shown. And the interest level is dropped in. Because RT just don't show the games. And, you know, that's like, it's basically hands behind um, tied behind their back. And we're thinking, what else can we talk about here? Because RT don't show it. We can't see the games, you know? So, yeah, the interest level, that, that's an interesting one. Like, look, I'm hearing from Kildare fans they are interested about this team. Kerry, there's a predominant part in Kerry about, um, about hurling. There's no Kerry into hurling. Offaly, for example, the whole of Offaly, I would imagine, is into hurling. And that game wasn't shown yesterday. I mean, it's it's ridiculous when you think about Cardo. I would think the whole county there is interested in hurling, considering Cardo rising over the last few seasons. They were the Leinster Championship, let's not forget a few seasons ago, like the interest should be there. And when you look at them, um, for example, going on to Division A, 2B, there, Sligo and Wicklow, they're Division 4 in football. They're in a high enough division in hurling. So you think those fans would get behind those counties if they got the recognition they deserve, if they got shown, if they got shown on national television. But the reality is, Aaron, they're not. And it's, it's, it's an utter disgrace when you think about it. The closest thing where you could see Sligo hurling is either through Buff Egan or ASG in the club championship for Sligo. That's it. I mean, it's ridiculous, really. Like, look, I think a Leash fan said in 2019 after the win against Dublin um, that Buff Egan is the only lad. Like, like him or not for Buff Egan, he does show the smaller counties. Like, he showed more coverage of the Kerry Carlow game yesterday than anybody else. And that's just through an iPhone or something. I mean, it's ridiculous when you think about it. It was a great weekend, Aaron. It was the ideal weekend to showcase these hurling teams, and they just didn't do it. And I, I was angered by it, to be honest with you. But how we get the interest level up is by showing the games, and RT are not doing that at all at the moment. Yeah, no, I do. I do agree with you. Like I was, I was more so just sort of playing devil's advocate, maybe from a from from a TV, you know, from an RTE perspective. But I do agree. I think you know, like it. it the only way you, you increase interest is by showing the games, is by promoting the games, is by advertising them. And I think, you know, if you could allow, like, I've never really understood why, like, counties, their, their own social media, why they can't show clips. Like, for example, Offaly GEA, um, like, I'm sure Offaly GEA could have someone at the game recording the game, and then they could post their own highlights on their Instagram or on their Twitter or even on their own YouTube, for example. Um, I don't understand why counties don't do that. Like, I think it's it's it'd be so easy, and it's such an easy way to 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 grow the game. Now, I understand maybe not every county 
wants to do that or maybe has the funds to do that. But it's not straight for, It's not that hard, really, to pick up a camera. As you said, Buff Egan is doing it. Um, and he's yeah. doing it with an iPhone. So, I mean, why why can't... And, and I don't know if these counties are not allowed to do that. If they're told, like, you know, that that's a breach of rights or, or whatever, or, 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 or et cetera, et cetera. But I just think, like, that's that's a common solution. Like, at least, at least show highlights. If you're not going to show full games, at least show highlights. Exactly, yeah. And even, like, if the GA aren't allowing these counties to showcase the games, like, just, just see it. Just go through RT then and say, show the games. If you don't show the games, why can't we bring a camera to a game? You know, it's ridiculous, really. And like RT, like I think RT, like they, they go on about the rise of the game of hurling. Donald Cusack has gone on about the, the hurling needs oxygen and stuff like that. If hurling needs oxygen, why aren't you showing Division Two games on TV? Why? I, I just want to ask why. Aren't you showing these games, especially Kildare and Down? That took the biscuit now yesterday because that was shown on BBC iPlayer. There was no excuse why RT couldn't show that game as highlights. You know, it's ridiculous. They were going on about, you know, um, situations about uh, Kilkenny's defence and stuff like that. And you, we said it at the start of the show here. It doesn't really matter in terms of the league. The league doesn't matter in terms of tactics and stuff like that. They'll implement new tactics in the championship. So it's pretty much a waste of time. Why can't you use that time to promote Division 2A, Division 2B, to rise the game of hurling? And as Donald Cusack described it as oxygen. Why? You know, it's ridiculous, really. And yeah, um, and that's why we can't comment on these games because we aren't showing, we, we don't have the necessary, you know, uh, requirements to show these games or um, to comment on these games. And it's really sad, Aaron. It really is really sad. And, Hopefully, RT learned their lessons in the next few seasons, but honestly, I don't think they will. Yeah, a few few comments coming in earlier that I forgot to read out in relation to Dublin's win. So, Keane says, good win for Dublin. They've plenty to improve on before the tip match as they fell asleep at critical moments in the first and second half when they were ahead, allowing uh, Antrim back into the game. The Dubs will definitely be happy to escape Parnell Park with the win following the draw with Watford in the opening round. They're in a good place after two rounds, but tougher games are to come. Yeah, I suppose in terms of results wise, like with three points on the board, um it probably is a, a good re- you know a good return. Um but as you said there like definitely plenty to uh, plenty to work on. Um I suppose before we do finish up I wanted to touch on the uh Sigerson Cup final which is taking place on Wednesday night, it's going to be UCC against UL, University College Cork up against University of Limerick. Um, obviously, you're a UL man yourself, and uh, you were in the final last year. Of course, David Clifford was playing in the final last year. Wasn't meant to be. Um, NUIG obviously got the got the job done and, and got the victory that day. So uh, I suppose maybe this is a bit of a weird one for you because obviously they're going up against the college from Cork. So uh I suppose maybe a bit of a win-win for yourself. Probably is, yeah. Jeez, I never thought it would get to this stage, to be honest with you. I thought it would be something like a TOD in the final against DCU, to be honest with you. Like, looking at the form book. But, yeah, alas, it's these two in the final. It's going to be a very interesting uh, exchange. Like, you will, I think, I thought it starts the year to struggle without David Clifford, without Sean Powder as well, a good carpenter in the UL College. He was missing as well this year, but... 
They still have the one McLaughlin. They still have uh, Dark Ashman from Cork. Paul Keane, he's a very good player from Leeds from this season. Paul Walsh, obviously friends of Ronaldinho. He's in the team as well. So you will have a good crop of players. UCC have a decent crop of players, um, you know, uh, combined with Cork, Kerry and uh, Sean O'Connor and uh, what's his name? Another lad from Tipperary as well. Reed Quigley is his name. Yeah, so um, so they have Tipperary, Kerry and Cork. But they don't seem to be getting good results, if you don't want to mean UCC. They've gone through two friendly shootouts. They lost against UL. They won the second game against ATU Galway. And did against TUD. They were, they were poor enough, like shooting-wise and stuff like that. I thought it was a very poor game in the semi-final. So like, it should be interesting to see what UCC turns up in the final. UL obviously were excellent against DCU in the semi-final. Maybe they got a bit low, considering Matthew Costello, Shane Walsh and Robert Finnerty were all injured for DCU which kind of cut them back a small bit but yeah I suppose it is a win-win situation for me who would I rather win Look, you could, when you look at the role of honour UCC are going for the 24 titles they've won 23 titles their last one in 2019 UL have never won it I know they got to the final last year and they got to the final this year so I know I'm a carpenter but I'd rather UL to win it to be honest with you because they've got it for so many years now they put so much into it last year and came out with nothing this is the year where you will do it, surely, to God. Um, they've been performing probably the better out of the two teams, but don't run off UCC either. We wrote off NUIG last year and they turned you well over. So it should be a very interesting game and great that the game is shown at TG Car to the watching world. Yeah, and looking at that win for UL against DCU, like I remember from briefly sort of watching the game and, and seeing the score. Like, I mean, it was definitely a result that surprised a lot of people. I mean, beating DCU was one thing, but beating them by nine points. And I think DCU were heavy, heavy favourites, not just for the game, but also the, the Sigerson Cup title and, you know, in, 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 in a whole spectrum. Like, when you look at DCU's team, like the likes of Shane O'Donnell, Connor Corbett, Lorcan O'Dell, Ushin Gallen, um, Keela McGann, like, I mean, so, you know, so much talent all across the field. And as you said, like UL, like from looking at them, probably don't have the star names. Like there's not, when I look at their star in 15, there isn't too many names that jump out. But as you've said, they've done so well to get to this point. And it shows how well coached they must be, the fact that they were able to beat DCU as well as they did. Yeah, exactly. So and they haven't actually lost a game so far. I know they, they lost at a bendy to TU Dublin, but they've done excellent so far. And that's a credit to Declan Broder and him, his uh, management team. They beat UCC the first day and then they lost some penalties to TU Dublin. But let's not forget, TU Dublin kind of had that team ethic that you need in the team. And they were probably favourites to get to the final against UCC at last. They didn't. Hammer STU Carlo, SETU Carlo in uh, the next round UL and then University of Galway that was a big win for them because University of Galway had two goals in the quarterfinals early on in the game and you were thinking how are UL going to recover are they going to lose to the, this Galway College game but then Paul Walsh scores a remarkable goal and suddenly you went back in the game and Emma McMahon shows some great determination getting two frees towards the end and then they obviously beat DCU and what I noticed about this UL team a lot of them are clear players actually and we mentioned on my podcast, your podcast, during the week and stuff like that, the clear kind of underrated. And when you look at the clear players of this UL team, Kieran Downs, Emma McMahon, Daniel Walsh, Aaron Griffin, like that's a bulk of their team. Like that's the incredible yeah. readings. Like they're doing very well. Owen McLaughlin, Jack Coyne from, uh, from uh, Mayo. 
You have uh, uh, your man Paul Haney from Leitrim as well, Darrell Cashman from Cork, Mark Linehan from Cork. So there's a nice mix of these UL players. Jack Lane, obviously, from Galway as well, an all-earned finalist against Kerry last season. So there's a nice mix of these UL players from all different types of counties. You also have players from Louth as well, strangely enough. So, yeah, I suppose it's it's a credit to Declan Browder that he's getting these players all from different counties to gel so well together. And that's brilliant uh, from him. Like when you look at it compared to UCC, UCC are mainly Munster. They're all Munster, in fact. When you look at the UL players, some of them are Connacht, Munster, a few from Leinster as well. So it's brilliant that Declan Browder is getting these players together. And they're yielding some very good results, not just this season, but last season as well to get to the final there as well. Yeah, and and I suppose for UCC, like that result against TU Dublin, like a a big result as well, and probably another one that maybe caught some people by surprise when you look at how well TU Dublin had been had been doing. And as you said, plenty of you know Cork players, Kerry players in around that squad, the likes of Cahill Mahoney, the likes of Dylan Ganey, um, Mark Cronin in there as well. So I mean, you know, UCC looking fairly strong, and you certainly wouldn't rule them out from as you said going on to win a twenty fourth time. Exactly. So, like, it's a strange one, UCC, because they haven't played well when you look at their the run to the final. They lost the win in the first game. ACU got be okay. They hammered in pretty comprehensively. They then went through two penalty shootouts against Ulster Colleges in Queens and St. Mary's. Like, the St. Mary's game, I was watching that in detail on, uh, on a live stream. And, geez, they should have won the game pretty early. They, I think they were like one, one eight to seven points up, and they should have had the game wrapped up completely. But then somehow St. Mary scored 1-1 in the last few minutes and the game goes to extra time. And they needed a call O'Mahony free to take it to penalties. And they need Dylan Ganey, who, by the way, Dylan Ganey is an interesting story. He's actually, by trade, he's a club forward for Eroge in Cork. And he's somehow a goalkeeper in this. Like, he's only played in goal, really, for UCC. And in that one game for Cork against Kerry and Parky Rain last season, where he saved a shot from David Clifford. So it's a remarkable story from him. And he's been the penalty hero in this um, campaign. He's probably been the goalkeeper of the competition. So that's a very good, um, um, you know, very good for him. And then against TU Dublin, they missed a lot of shots in this game. Aaron. Like Carlo Mani, I know he scored five points, but he missed, I think, six of them. Like Dylan Ganey missed the load in that game. He got a crucial goal and missed the load as well. And TU Dublin, if they had a bit of go about them in the last few minutes, they could have easily got the game wrapped up. And a guy that really has, you know, did so well in the campaign so far, and especially in the semi-final. Daniel O'Mahony from Cork, full-back. I've been talking about this guy for ages. Maybe I said a few things about the game. Maybe that was one game. But in the semi-final, he did. He got seven turnovers won in the semi-final against TU Dublin. He was excellent in that game. So watch out for him on um, on um, on Wednesday night. It should be a very interesting game. And yeah, it should be... Should be intriguing. Watch it. Kinky well are going to win it. But in so many um, cases, you have these teams peaking too early and then you have teams that are going along nicely and then the final day explode into form. UCC kind of have that trait about them, but we'll have to see on Wednesday night all will be revealed. Who are you predicting then to, to get the victory? I'm going to go UL slightly. But I think UCC, there's going to be a kick in them. Like Billy Bargain's their manager as well. I know he's nearly 80 years of age, but he, there's going to be a kick in this guy, you know, to win a 24th uh, title for um, UCC would be incredible, incredible achievement for him. And maybe, like, we talk about Mickey Hart and um, Mickey O'Dwyer and John Coyley is one of the best managers, in, Jim Gavin, of course, as one of the best managers in history. 
Could Billy Morgan be up there as well? When he's so when um, the most amount of all over the titles as a car football manager, and he's won plenty of titles in secrets to live for UCC as well. So and for Nemo Rangers, of course. So could he be up there if UCC win this Secrets and Cup title? I think he should be. But anyway, I, I think you will win it, but don't run off UCC just yet. Yeah, like I think I think I'd edge towards UL as well. Like I think uh, you know, a nine point win the against DCU, like that's a real standout win. Really, like when you when you, when you, when you look at it, um, but as you said, like UCC, like you, you definitely can't bet too far past them either. Um, but yeah, we will go ahead and wrap this up here, Matthew. Cheers very much for uh, for coming on, and uh, I'll obviously be on your your own show during the week as well. So make sure for everyone to to go and uh, and check that out. So uh, yeah, cheers anyone who tuned in. If they could hit the like button and subscribe, be much appreciated. And uh, cheers, Matthew, for tuning in. Thanks very much, Aaron. Happy to help.